That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, oh God, it's a toad. It's, huh? it's a fucking toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's gonna be a bad day. What is going on, One Cast fans? Welcome back to Fishing Friday Live. This is also going to be episode 60-something uh, because <laughs> uh, my my travel back from being gone for the last couple weeks, it just worked out that we could record uh, and, and talk to you all live. So uh, for those of you listening live, you might not need to go listen to the recording. Uh, if you're just listening to the recording, welcome. A uh, lot going on in bass fishing and, and fishing in general. First of all, let's talk about, of course, man, let's talk about Jordan Lake. <laughs> we'll talk about Jordan Lake in a minute. Um, but first, we have to, you know, shout out all those that that help us to uh, continue to do this and bring you all content, both live, recorded videos, all that good stuff. First and foremost, One Cast Fishing. Make sure you head to onecastfishing.com. Use the code the one cast at checkout and save 10% off your order. Get those snagless uh, jigs, long neck hooks, weedless neds and soft plastics carolina waters if you're looking for any performance fishing gear hats uh some new stuff coming out also if you're gonna be at the greensboro show tomorrow i'll be there hanging out with them uh and uh, we're looking forward to it so uh make sure you head to carolinawatersnc.com use the code the one cast all one word save 20 percent off your order uh and uh yeah get you some gear and support uh, support those companies, support us. And also, Trey? Yeah, speaking of Carolinas, if you're in the Carolinas, especially the Sandhills areas, and you guys are looking for your little piece of paradise, whether or not that's a home tucked away in the woods or just a piece of land trying to get away from that concrete jungle, look no further. Hit our buddy up, Eric Schwinn, at eschwind at mossyoakproperties.com. You can also shoot him a text at 936-494-9686. He's got a ton of land variety of landscapes rolling hills waterways all those things that you're looking for as an avid outdoorsman or somebody who's just trying to find a peace a uh, place for peace and quiet so that's eschwind at mossyoakproperties.com or shoot him a text or call him at 936-494-9686 we appreciate his support and let him know that the one cast sent you yeah so good to be back what's up everybody christine hello david fuchs what's going on jeff horner said big tournament tomorrow i need help on jordan uh, we've been talking a lot about Jordan and a lot of folks are going to need help with this cold front and everything coming. Um, it is, uh, February, mid February, we'll call it sort of getting to late yep. February and there's a cold front coming. So Fort might take 14 pounds, might take 40 depends on, on how this, uh, this little bit of a swing affects them. And it's almost a full um, moon tonight. So hey, my buddies, see the MLF at the end of the day. No, I, if bass is on there's 0% chance that I'm going to watch MLF. Uh, I can't support the, that organization with the owners and the things that they're doing right now. Uh, speaking of which hashtag FBD, which is fish boat docks. Uh, so let's go right into that. <laughs> so obviously there's some animosity in MLF with some of the BPT anglers. James Watson was not happy. Uh, which boat did I end up getting Aaron? Uh, we'll talk about that later. What's going on, Jessica? Blackman Sweet Feet, uh, our homie up there at Black's Tire. Yeah. If you need tires, trailer tires, truck tires, service, any of that, make sure you check out Black Tires. They take care of us, keep us on the road. A uh, bunch of good people there. So check them out if you're in the market. But anyway, James Watson, uh, day one, no coverage, as we all know. Um, he's doing well, kept catching some fish. He's and I think he finally reached a breaking point. You know, he was fined $10,000 before the season even started. Uh, by Boyd Duckett, and I'm, I'll, I'll say it by name, who um, said he violated his, uh, I think it was a non-disclosure clause or something, 
uh, by by talking about the organization. And so they find him ten grand. Uh, then more changes came, uh, including the no coverage days one and two, uh, which which was sold as uh, keeping the integrity of competition. Uh, really, if anybody believes that, uh, let me tell you, it has nothing to do with integrity of competition. It's 100% uh, attempting to save the organization, which is failing financially. So James had enough. Um, he made made a comment, uh, you know, saying we don't have coverage. I think it's BS. Uh, I'm catching fish, so I'm making this video. Uh, in that, he had a hat that said hashtag FBD, uh, which whatever you want to believe that means. He says it's fish boat docks. Uh, we all have our own opinions on what that might be. Uh, what's going on, uh, Jessica? Hope you're doing well. Corbish Lee is watching. What's going on, Mike? Um, so, yeah. So I don't know what what to take away from that. Is I, I personally think that James is probably done fishing the Bass Pro Tour. Um, if he doesn't get fined, I would say there's a pretty good chance that he's going to get get removed from the tour because of speaking negatively about the the organization and its ownership. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, but obviously, the anglers are frustrated, right? Sure, a as they should be. They've got sponsors that are are paying for exposure. Uh, they need to expose <laughs> exposure. <laughs> they need the exposure for themselves. Oma said they need to expose themselves, but that would be <laughs> bad. They need the exposure for themselves and their own brands. Um, froze up. That might be on your end. To, I need, uh, sorry about that. That it did happen. Uh, I got, I'll show you. We got a little bit inside. We can't drop potential. It, it, we can't drop the name, but we'll, when we can, we'll talk about it. But it, it's not looking great. For no, me, it's not for, for James. He's frustrated. Other folks were live streaming on their own. Uh, and all of those, if you look at descriptions and stuff, were since Bass or since uh, MLF isn't live, I guess I'll be. Uh, things like that so it, the frustration if, spewing over if the uh, the most entertaining outcome is the most likely he's gonna win this tournament that'd be amazing because uh i mean he's already he made the yeah he's made this, he made this cut, yeah. the knockout round i guess and he's been fishing pretty well i think he's like six and six overall so as yeah, long as he keeps making it and they reset weight so um Maybe that, maybe maybe that's the fire, man. Like you know that if you know anything about James Watson, his background is in the military. He was a drill sergeant for quite a bit of time. He's been a businessman hustling in the game for a long time. So, you know, uh, some people have a different breaking point than others, and uh, it's just time for people to speak out. You know, he's also in a unique position outside of some of the other anglers, where you know he doesn't uh, need fishing. He, he doesn't need it. Yeah. So, but you know, wherever it goes from here, we'll see. But uh. Yeah, it's it's interesting to and, see what's going and on. Just to clarify, because I, we might have new folks watching tonight, we might have listening in. I don't have an issue with the organization of MLF. I think what they tried tried to do and wanted to do was great. Um, it's in the execution. It's yeah, the it's, leadership it's, at the highest level and the execution have been failed. Um, <laughs> Tony's watching with his wife getting her toes done. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> So the executions failed. There's been a lot of promises that were made that have not been fulfilled. Uh, and rather than admitting, hey, we had these plans, we can't make them happen right now. We need to we need to restructure the organization the way we're going to do things a little more. Uh, it just feels like a bunch of BS lies are being fed to the anglers and the fans about why they're doing things. For instance, cutting two days of coverage to maintain integrity of competition, which I don't, I don't buy for that. Second. And they wanted to add more coverage to the team events. Yeah. They yeah. wanted more coverage for the team events. Like there's just a lot of, a lot of decisions that don't make sense. And, and if you can see through the BS, the way it's being explained to us, it's frustrating. And so if BASS is on, I'm going to watch BASS 
Uh, I like their coverage. I like their their announcers and everything. And NPFL uh, coverage. NPFL, too. which they don't usually conflict. But right. if those two are on, then I usually bounce between the two uh, just to see yeah, what's going on. I don't, there's no NPFL and Bass events that conflict this year. No, mm-hmm. and I didn't check to see if there was any in MLF or any of the BBT events, but I don't. I think the first one because you had a couple one, BBT anglers, not Fish, Logan Martin. Yeah, I think it was the first one. You're right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but Bass is going first Elite Series event as well of the year. Oh uh, man, happening down there. I, I turned in a little bit of coverage yesterday and a little bit this afternoon. It's a, it's a good fun event down there in uh, Toledo Bend. There, I mean. The, the weights, I think, have been fluctuating a little bit. Like, there's a lot of guys that did well one day and not nearly as well the second day. If, yeah. uh, I mean, obviously, everyone at the top of the leaderboard is pretty much hammering them. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, – I don't know if it's as easy as they thought necessarily going into it. I wouldn't say easy, but I just don't think um, – You're just not seeing, like, the super mega bags like some people anticipated, right? But – um, like Pete said earlier, with the way that the weights are on one and on day one and day two, the average being 20 pounds, we absolutely could see nine to 10 century belts if they weigh especially, in 20 pounds today or tomorrow and the next day, especially with the way the weather's shaping up for them. So, warming trend, the fish. The, the live I did get to watch today because uh, I had a bunch of stuff going on, so I couldn't really – I don't really watch. I listen while I'm at work. But um, the the fish was warming. A lot of those guys fish that they caught in, in 18 foot of water yesterday, they were catching in seven foot of water today. So those fish are moving deeper up into those spawning pockets or, or shallower, moving further into those spawning pockets. They're starting to slide up into the shallower water. Uh, you're still going to have some of those big girls out deep. Sure. Uh, you're still gonna have guys out there catching them, but it really yeah. is it really is a warming trend positively for them. It was, it's gonna be 75 tomorrow. Yeah, the low is 48. It's gonna be sunny all day, I mean, only five to ten mile an hour winds. It's, so almost, I mean, it's perfect conditions for the angler out there. It really is. And then it's, it's setting up to be. Summer. It's only gonna be a 58 on Sunday as a low and 79 is a high. Now, granted, the main winning or the main pattern that everybody knows of that everyone's talking about. Ballhead jig and minnow bait. <laughs> Ball head jig, forward facing sonar, Demiki rigging, you know, looking at fish in the open water. But what's really interesting is, and they talked about it on live. And if you guys uh, listening or, or watching have um, a forward facing sonar deal of whatever brand, uh, they're learning a lot about the fish behavior on uh, Toledo Bend right now. Uh, a perfect example is is the fish being suspended above the bait balls which you know traditionally we always thought like oh you know the bass are always underneath the bait balls and you know when shad die off or they ambush them from the bottom but like they're catching they're catching bass like swimming out in the open by themselves swimming swimming over bait balls so they're getting a lot of education about it so it's really interesting to see yeah when you listen to announcers like we always knew bass would suspend above bait like you see it on on downscan you knew it was happening but the assumption was always this: you can't catch you them. You can't catch them. Like, yeah. you know, they were shut down. They were suspended there. They weren't feeding. They that's weren't exact. active. We, but now, because of forward mm-hmm. facing sonar, we now know I can throw baits in them and they'll eat it. They're still going to eat. Not it. only will they eat it, I remember ten years ago, fifteen years ago, when I was really getting the bass fishing. You 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 read a bunch of stuff. You know, it's, hard, it's almost impossible to catch the spending fish. The the fish won't follow it down. Well, that's not true because well, we we're <laughs> learning. It's not we, true we've seen it. You know, and I'm gonna go on a little bit of rant here in, in a second. But you know, on one of the Maybe. bass fishing forums, it was like, is the next generation are they losing the ability to fish by instinct? 
And I'm going to be pedantic here on my rant uh-huh. because, because words have meaning <laughs> and instinct is an innate natural thing. Yeah. No angler comes out of the womb knowing how to catch bass. Except for maybe John Cox. Yeah. Uh, maybe. maybe <laughs> right. Everyone has learned how to catch fish yeah. from somebody else watching things and a lot of trial and error. And all these, I don't want to call them wives' tales, but all these things we used to say, like we were just talking about everything or, we believe. There's e- not we know. everything we believe. And then so live scopes teaching us that's not necessarily true. And they've done some bass tracking studies recently, like at Toledo Ben, that's shown us that the bass, some bass move a lot. Some bass don't migrate at all. They stay within a couple hundred yards. Most of the bass don't live on the drop-offs and stuff. They live on the flats, yep. on isolated pieces of cover, especially the big ones. So life scope and that stuff is just teaching us that most things we knew about bass fishing, we, we were barely scratching the surface because that's all we were able to do is look at a map, maybe use some, like, you know, your, your traditional sonar stuff. And life scope has opened up an entire, almost new fishery. Like Would you, can, you say... A whole new world. It's exactly a whole new world. (laughs) I I mean, for instance, like um, several months ago, I was listening to, I think it was Zona's podcast. He was on one of these natural clear lakes. What's up, everyone? They were catching largemouth in the middle of the lake, 80 foot deep, below where the smallmouth were. And no one thought that would ever happen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that I know it gets boring watching down in the screen sometimes and, and guys were fishing and it depends on how these these organizations if you can see their screen or not and it depends on the manufacturer and the organization but it's just opening up so much more and we're learning a lot more about the fish mm. and it should be a lot more educational that way but for sure it's all boring like bass fishing <laughs> even without forward phasing is boring if oh, they're yeah. up flipping bushes shallow all you're doing is watching a dude stare at a bush yeah like the only time watching fishing is not boring is when they're on a really good top water bite and you can watch those fish explode on a frog or a walking bait or a pop or whatever it is they're throwing buzz bait um even a good spinner bait bite where they're casting and they're covering a lot of water like that could be fun yeah but outside of that fishing watching fishing if you're watching <laughs> the fishing is boring i watch to listen to the guys explain what they're doing why they're doing it how things are setting up, the reason that they're they're targeting X, Y, or Z. It's because we're nerds. Nothing wrong staring at a bush. We're yeah. fishing nerds. Can't that's, argue yeah. that. that's, why, that's why we... Uh, Nothing uh, wrong with staring at a bush. <laughs> who said that? I'm not sure who said that, but that was a good one. Um, but yeah, man. So yeah, and You know, while we're talking about what we're learning about fisheries, I want to talk... It was David Fuchs that said that. I want to talk about something that affects us here in North Carolina. It could affect oh, yeah. other places. So... Uh, there was a tournament last weekend on Jordan. I'm not. I don't remember whose it was. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. Um, but they they put the the usual like fish pictures of everybody, you know, everybody's catches. And and there was a fish pictured in that that did not look like any largemouth bass that anybody's ever seen caught in Jordan Lake. It looked so the coloring looks all like the a coloring, spot. the mouth shape, yeah, everything when, about it. When I zoomed in, I'm like, like spotted bass because uh, Pete sent it to us, and I zoomed in, I was like. That mouth does not extend past the past the eye, the, right. the jaw, the jaw. So, and um, so yeah. So I emailed that to to Corey, who's been on the show. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check it up. Um, who's going to be the first pro angler? Who's going to win a tournament without forfeit? We'll talk about that in a minute, Dan. Let me let me finish this up. Um, so I sent that picture to Corey Oakley. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen. Spotted bass are destroying fisheries across North Carolina. They're, they're pushing our largemouth species uh, shallower. They're, they're impacting them negatively. So this fish looked a lot like a spot. 
The only way you can tell is a good side picture so you can see the peed uncle and the uh, <laughs> the tongue patch, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I sent it to him and I sent it to Seth Micah, who's coming on in a couple weeks to do an episode. He is the regional biologist responsible for Jordan Falls, Sharon Harris, and a few other lakes here in the Piedmont area. Um, I sent it to both of them. Basically, both said the same thing. There's It doesn't look right, but there's no way to positively identify it. Can't tell for sure with the picture. Blah, blah, blah. Seth did send me this. I'm going to read this message verbatim for everybody that's listening. If you fish tournaments, fish Jordan Lake, Sharon Harris, or Falls, any of our local lakes uh, that do not have spots in them yet. This is from Seth Mico, the regional biologist. Uh, He said, thanks for keeping an eye out. Definitely make sure that all anglers out there know that even if if they just think they've caught one, one being a spotted bass in Jordan, text me a picture of the fish and its tongue at 336-534-0019. And I'll make a post with all this information in the groups. Uh, And of course, do not release it no matter how big or small it is. Even if it ends up being a less than 14-inch largemouth and they already have two small ones, it'll get worked out. So fishing these lakes, you can keep two under 14. The rest have to be over. He's saying whether it's you have two already or not, if that fish is under 14, keep it. He's already spoke with all the Chatham and Durham Durham County game wardens, which is where those two lakes sit, uh, and let them know the concerns about the impact to the ecosystems in Jordan and Falls should spotted bass be found there. So if you are fishing in those lakes and you even think a fish you caught is a spot, kill that fish. I don't care if it's seven inches. I don't care if it's, uh, if it's seven pounds, take that fish, send the pictures to the number I said, like I, like I posted there. And we will and figure, figure it, out. it out because if it gets into Jordan, if that was a spot There's that a- was in that picture on Jordan Lake and they released that fish, Jordan Lake smoked. It's too late because that fish was breeding and it's not going to be the only one. And that I, fish was pushing three pounds. Yeah, it was big. And I don't know. So I know in North Carolina, there's no creel limits on spotted bass. No, but not. I don't know what the regulations say about bass in total because, you know, five is typically your creel limit. Right. Combo. I, I don't know. It, so a spotted the spotted bass doesn't count towards your. Career. So just go catch five largemouth, and if you have a six one, that's a spot. If then, you think it's a spot, yeah, in those lakes. Now you should take spots out of any lake. It's too late for some of them, but we can try to help. Um, if you think it's a spot in Jordan Falls or Harris, keep that fish. Take a picture, the number I gave, send it to them, send it to us, and I'll get it to him that day. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable. Um, but we need to we need to <laughs> we need to stop it if it happened. But like I said, if that fish that that they had that picture of on Jordan was a, a spot that big, um, enjoy fishing Jordan as we know it for the next three or four it's years. Change yeah. in four years. Yeah, uh, just uh, they, it's going to be full of fourteen inch spots. Yeah. So the 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 big rich issue with Jordan is how fertile that lake is. Is the reason why they put F one bass in that lake. You know, Jordan the forge is so good for largemouth. That's why we're seeing twenty nine, thirty something plus pound bags of largemouth. That will get destroyed. That ecosystem will get destroyed. The bait fish will get destroyed. So, no. you know. That's just how it happens, and like Pete said, it'll push largemouth away from their natural habitat, and you know it's just going to destroy them. So, and the only way this is happening is by people transporting fish, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, just real quick before we go, Eddie said, "I promise I've caught spots in Jordan. It was under fourteen, and I released. I'll send a pic of the fish. I promise I've caught spots all my life on Bull Shoals and Table Rock. Thanks for that info." So, when we're talking about spots, you cannot 
differentiate between the native species of spot that was native to North Carolina. Well, and, and you can't and the Alabama spotted bastards, which we're talking about. So North Carolina says kill them all because the native was such a small population. It's not, it, it it's only not going to in, impact the ecosystem. It only existed in like the very Northwestern part of the state. Well, there's some in the river here too, in the, in this system. He talked to, uh, Corey talked about. Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah. Naturally occurring. But regardless, uh, you, you may or yeah. may not have any, I, I can't say for sure. They've never got one in a shock study yet. They've never have had one caught and turned in. So, um, it, it's, if you did, you caught one of the few that were in there, it, there's not many, but there will be. So if you've caught some and released them, uh, and they were for sure spots, we've got three to four years and Jordan Lake's going to be a 14 inch spot factory and 40 pound <laughs> bags are gone. So, yeah. uh, we got to do our part with conservation. I know, I know we love catch and release, but man, if you even think it's a spotted bass, kill that dang fish, take a picture. Uh, and, and hold it up in your hand. A bald eagle come down and grab it do from something. you. We'll, we'll get it. We'll get it worked out. Like Seth and them are doing everything they can to try to stop the spread into that system because they're not there yet that we know of. But um, just remember, biologists are usually a year or two behind the anglers that are. consistently fish. What's the going water. on, BJ? Hope you're doing so, well. Hey, scroll up a couple couple Our comments. Spots more aggressive when feeding. They're super aggressive when they're feeding. Uh, yes, they're just bullies, man. So they'll, they're going to push out. Um, they're going to push, they're going to outcompete largemouth for, for resources. So our big schools of shad, things like that offshore, they like deeper water. They can also spawn in significantly deeper water. And, and, um, and it was interesting when we had Corey on, cause they, you know, we all thought that spotted bass went on like main lake clear. They still want main lake that they wanted clearer bodies of water, but what they have found out, they thought, yeah. But that's not true. No, the, the, I mean, I caught a limit of spots on Gaston in, you know, three foot of water on top water and dirty water last year, you know, so they just behave different. We're, we're going to talk to. <laughs> I gotta Come go. on, Jeff. What do you want to know about Jordan, bud? Just go throw an A rig on the rip wrap and hope you catch 40 pounds. So, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, what do you think about the MPFL from Tony Parsley? Tony, we've had a bunch of MPFL anglers on. We've had the owners on twice. Uh, absolutely love the league, love everything they're doing, love what they stand for, love their mission, uh, the culture they're building over there. Um, can't say anything bad about them. Uh, really, really a fan of the National Professional Fishing League, uh, what they're doing uh, and how they continue to get. Yeah, Tony, they've grown significantly. They got 127 uh, <laughs> anglers, 127 anglers on their roster this year. They're getting, getting ready to have their inaugural championship at Lake Amistad here in March. Um, if you haven't listened to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever, you know, go check that out. We've had Mike Clorbishly, Trent Palmer, Stephanie Pellerin, Josh Watkins, Todd Goad, Todd Goad, who won Will Harkins. Will Harkins, yeah. So, and speaking of Will Harkins, uh, what was the question? Will there ever be an angler to win a tournament without forward-facing sonar? So a tournament is relative. The first person who's going to win a tournament without forward facing. Sonar. So does that mean without using it or without it completely if it's installed without it on, being the boat? on the boat? John Cox is your only hope because he's the only one that doesn't have it on. The yeah, yeah, but Will Harkins won Logan Martin, you know, cranking with a red crankbait, right? So he did catch some with forward facing there. But it, and it's it's hard to dif differentiate like. If you're going down the bank, fishing boat docks, doing like we normally would, but you have live scope running up there and it just helps you scan a little bit and, and, yeah. and get some more information. Is that different than going offshore and targeting, you know, targeting, you know, those pelagic fish? 
without using unless it's a pure bed fishing tournament that dan um but but even then unless it's that's not on their boat there's no way to know whether they, they there will be somebody that wins without it if some if that actual that new league that they're trying to but start. he's saying pro that's not a pro league <laughs> yeah 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 so <laughs> yeah i mean living, right? yeah i mean I'm, there's tons of tournaments that are won all the time without forward facing yeah. sonar but yeah you're I mean, talking about the big national level it's national level then. yeah it's gonna play a role it's, i mean yeah i watched uh scott martin's youtube on uh, the series when he won at okeechobee and a lot of those fish you know, in four foot of water on perspective mode of life scope. That's how he was identifying and yeah. knew what, and they were, they were spawning on beds Yeah, and he was pitching to them. And, uh, it was, I mean, he was hammering. I mean, he only got like seven or eight bites a day, but obviously they were the right bites. But, uh, I mean, even in four foot of water, that thing plays and I, you know, on his YouTube series, it's actually kind of cool. Cause he's got his GoPro and you, you can actually see the life scope below him. So you can actually see the big bass come out and circle around on the bed. And yeah. And it's, uh, Eddie, does this go cool. for spots in the Cape Fear as well? Any yeah. spotted bass doesn't matter where. There's no way, no way to tell whether they are the the native or the Alabama. So it is kill on site across the state of North Carolina. Keep that fish. Have a fish fry. Uh, grind them up and feed them. They're actually not bad taste. No, they either. are pretty good. I, I ate some last year. They they yeah. are way better than a largemouth. I'm not a fan of largemouth. Never have been, but. Um, they they were good to eat so keep them eat them you know feed them to your friends if you got loved ones or neighbors or something like have fish fry give them to them but any any spotted bass in north carolina uh needs to be called from the uh from whatever whatever system it's in um jeff if you have specific questions about jordan yeah to talk about throw them up there we'll talk about it because it's you know, it's it's typical pre 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 spawn late winter yep. pattern right now. Um, red red flat sided crankbaits, slow rolling spinner rates, a rigs, jigs, all of that kind of stuff you're doing because um, they haven't really no, no not that they haven't really they haven't slid up to start staging for pre spawn. They're still in those winter haunts. They're feeding up, starting to get you know fat, making sure their eggs are healthy, uh, but they haven't started to slide towards those spawn pockets yet. And Jeff. Just You're to, welcome, Jeff, just to, I don't know if Jeff is still on here or not, mm-hmm. but I, I will say that you got to look at the water temperature too. Like I was out on Jordan uh, Monday, had some success on Jordan, um, had enough for a limit, but it would, it may not have been a limit that would have won a tournament. I mean, biggest fish was like four and a half pounds, but um, it was all over the lake though. It wasn't like there was a consistent bite. Uh, but like Pete said, your traditional baits for pre 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 spawn, uh, they're working. There was four or five different guys that showed up at two different boat ramps at zero that day. Um, they were trying to go offshore and live scope. So if that tells you anything, there you go. Right. So I'm not going to say you can't go offshore and catch them. It depends on water clarity and and you being in the right area. But I will tell you that that was definitely not the pattern Monday, but tomorrow Saturday, whole, totally different day. So. Yeah, you definitely probably did catch them in three foot. Right? <clears throat> One thing I'll say, I mean, I don't have the experience that a lot of guys have. Um, I have quite a bit of experience on Jordan throughout the years. I live less than a mile from one of the ramps, so it's where I spend most of my time. Those the fish in Jordan winter three to twelve foot is where where I typically target in the winter for those fish on Jordan. They don't really get out into those deep summertime holes. Deep on Jordan is also relative. That's like 12 15, to 15 12, foot, to 15. 12 to 15 foot. You don't really see them out there in the winter. Um, they tend to stay in that like three to, you know, three to 12 foot. Yep. Um, especially if you get a nice bright sunny day, especially 
they'll slide up and you'll catch them some more. Um, I mean, I mean, think about well, we all know the pattern on the riprap in the Alabama rig. Um, unless they're catching them, suspend them on the pylons. Like, well, I was going to say there are big fish that are roaming around, Jeff. Like there's big fish that are roaming around 25 foot of water. Um, so if you're good enough with forward facing, if you have it, you can potentially try to catch them that way. But I know that a lot of guys weren't having luck that way. So anytime you have that good structure, you know, Jordan has so much structure. It's not even funny. Um, but I, you know, I did have some success in, in 12 to 14 foot of water, like Pete was talking about, but that was a bite that you had to be very precise on where you're throwing your bait. Yeah. And I know somebody that went out last week, he was last week and had a, had a 30 bag mm -hmm. and they were all like four and a half to seven foot. So that just seems to be where they live. They slide up and down the, you know, out of that structure and feed, depending on what's going on. Timing is everything. Water tent was 49 to 55. You're the second person I heard say 55, but I, everybody else saw 47 to 49, maybe 50, yeah. but. If you're in the back of a dirty pocket, you might have seen. And I, and I don't know what the water clarity like is on Jordan right now. It's yeah. never good, but I mean, it was flooded twice in the last what month or two. Yeah, yeah. So more rain today, which is going to push a bunch of that. Stuff. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I concur with that. That last comment was that Hal that made that comment, but I concur with that last comment. Like, which it, one? you can't go wrong with going to flip laydowns on Jordan. No, no, that was Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. You lay can't down. go wrong. Just go flip laydowns. If caught, that's the deal, just go flip them. I've caught them in laydowns in every yep. water type temperature color on that lake. It's just, I should be able to go out there like yeah. in August and flip like laydowns in eight inches of water and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. They weren't big, but I've weighed I, the first uh, wild cat that Wednesday night or whatever. What are they doing on Tuesdays? Thursdays. Thursdays yeah. That they did when they were doing them out of pose. The first one I ever fished. Uh, I weighed, I mean, I wasn't going to win. It's three fish. I had 15 pounds uh, and I caught every single one of them under four foot of water on laydowns. Flipping, yeah, it's flipping crazy. Jigs, so there, there's fish shallow there year round. I, one time I clear above 65. I, I, yes. Yeah. I sought fish one. I sought fish. I saw fish. Yeah. And like two foot of water on a laydown in like August. Oh, yeah. And he, he was staring right at the log. I was like, well, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> he bit right away. Five degrees in the back of White Oak. That yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Uh, but yeah, once that main lake starts to hit that 50 degree mark, you'll start uh, you'll start seeing it really, really pick up. Water temp, I'm preparing eight weeks from now. Fuchs, we'll let you know when it gets closer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it depends on it depends <laughs> on what we get here. We, we've got warm, cold, warm, cold going right now. Not a bunch of sun. So the water, the water temperature is going to rise pretty slowly over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. That, that's the thing for the next two weeks. Cause my first tournament's out there March 12th. Mm -hmm. You're going to fish a tournament. Yeah. He's fishing a good year, right? It's a Tuesday tournament. Oh, you're yeah. fishing a good year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, yeah. um, so it's on the 12th. I'll probably, I'll probably just pre-fish Monday or something, but yeah, because it's not that serious of a tournament, but pre-fish Jordan anymore. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, I haven't been out on Jordan in a long, long yeah, it's time. been a minute. And because uh, we went to Harris more last year, well, mm -hmm. I didn't go very much, but a couple of times I went I think, out yeah, of Harris. I but... think the last time I fished Jordan was when you and I went out there in like October, November, because we mm -hmm. spent a lot of time fishing other. We caught them shallow places. cranking. Yep. yep. Square bills. And... Before we get too far into the episode, we are 32 minutes into it right now. I just want to put this out there. Like, remember, guys, leave a review on any of the sites that we have the show on, whether or not it's Facebook, Instagram, um, you know, Spotify, Tunes, any of those, leave a review. We're getting ready to do that first drawing of the giveaway that starts at the end of March. So remember all the 
swag that we have to give away. We got free tackle. We got fishing rods. We got sunglasses. We got a depth finder, depth finder. That's old, a fish finder or graph, whatever you want to say. So we got a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Flasher. (laughs) We got a whole bunch of stuff uh, that um, our awesome partners have supported us with one cast fishing, um, swamp Fox, custom lures, missile baits, uh, you name it. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. So in order to enter into that drawing, you need to leave us a review, take a screenshot of it, send it to us on one of our socials. We'll put you in the repository and then it's going to be a random drawing at the end of each month. That's going to run for five months straight. So make sure you guys enter into that stuff, leave us a review, let us know what you think. And, uh, yeah, we'll get you guys some, uh, some cool gear kicked out the door. So, yep. And that's, uh, Mike, huh? No, that was Jeff. Oh, was that Jeff? Jeff, you can show me this stuff too, Jeff. Come on, man. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Jeff, if you can do me a favor, message one cast fishing page, not not the podcast page, and remind Ben of your shirt size hat or shirt size and your address so he can send you the hat and shirt that you won that I completely forgot about. So right now, cause I'm terrible. Yeah. 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 Um, do that. No. I got you the baits like the first night you won. And then uh, I forgot about the hat and shirt. And I j- just remember when you were talking. So I got to make sure we get you that. So shoot Ben uh, one cast fishing uh, message. He's got that stuff at his house. He's shipping it for us. So he'll get it over to you. Speaking of tournaments though. So Jeff's talking about, so the Piedmont bass classics is their, their first tournament tomorrow is on Jordan. So all the local hammers and triangle area. Piedmont's there. Our, my club's there. Yep. Your, Carolina bassers Carolina. will be on Jordan tomorrow. Piedmont did, bass did, classics did will be PBC on Jordan tomorrow. Move? I thought they were, maybe my club's there too, actually. I don't know. I'm pretty tomorrow? sure 24th. So, Tomorrow, yeah, Jordan up. Lake yeah. is going to be loaded with oh, bass. Bragg's boats. there tomorrow too. Bragg Bass Busters is there, clubs. so you got three, two clubs in a in a regional tournament. Uh, you're going to be you know, a line so, rip rapper. Yeah, so y'all better if you're going to be on Jordan <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, you know, uh, good luck. But you know, there's plenty of fishing a Tuesday. Tournament. There's there's plenty of water to fish on Jordan this time of year. The only place that really gets super crammed up is the rip rap. So, um, and also you know, crappie fishermen have been down in the river. Mm-hmm. In the S turns, uh, not too many crappie fishermen underneath the 64 bridge, the Farrington bridge, all that stuff. So that's the, a pretty good sign of where we're at pre-spawn. Yeah, there you go. So if you're if you're on Jordan tomorrow, be careful in the S turns for sure because those guys will line up all the way across the river. Um, so just you yeah, know, be super careful. Be they, super careful. They do it in the worst place, and you'll come around one of them bend <laughs> 300 boats. Ask me how I know. Uh, yeah, if, so if you're not super familiar with Jordan, you ever really want to know what's going on pre-spawn, uh, when all of the crappy boats move to the 64 bridge, uh, those bass are going to be sliding up, and they're going to be staging pre-spawn. Some may even be starting on beds. That's like yeah. that's like the crappie's next staging area because they spawn first. Crappie, I believe 52 to 55 degree water temperatures when they spawn. Um, so they're the first ones to move up there and then they'll start sliding back and that's when they'll start hammering them on the bridges. Yep. So that's, that's one way if I'm, if I'm having trouble finding fish, I just look for where them. So, you know what, you know, what's funny about that. I'm glad you said that because last year we dropped almost 20 pounds of four fish and we had two crappy fishermen fishing within a cast distance away. Good chance that those big, those two seven pounders. Yeah. So on my little lake, it's, it's weird about that temperature. The crappie will move up and start spawning. They'll get in the little backs of little canals and all, and they'll there'll be hundreds of them, and they're just swimming in circles. Yep. And you'll look around and you'll see five pound bass, seven pound bass. Just like multiple times, I have backed off and tried to fish that stuff forever, yeah. but 
There's a lot. There it's hard a, to get them to bite when there's that much yeah, food around. That's there true. was a long, like a long held belief that bass didn't really eat crappie. And oh, well, wow. No. Uh, if there was other food sources that they would target those. But I don't know where that started. It was like one of those wives tales that a lot of folks believe. Even folks here. I've had guys that have fished these lakes for 20 years tell me, oh, they don't eat crappie. I can tell you right now, I had the biggest bass I've ever seen on four facing sonar. <laughs> I was crappie fishing a brush pile. And I hooked one and that joker came up and tried to grab the crappie. And it was, it was definitely a bass. Cause I, it's not too hard to tell the difference between a bass and a catfish on forward facing, uh, when you're in relatively shallow water, if you got your stuff dialed in. Um, and I went to that brush pile three days in a row after that and, and pitched into it. And I did hook that fish and then it promptly broke me off <laughs> when it got me. And that was right. your PB. Got, it was big. It's definitely it your was, PB breaker. It's one when you see it on forward facing and it's like, an inch and a half long and it's equally as wide and you're like oh, oh. <laughs> if, if they were stacked up in the front of stinky creek those be there'll be there'll be yeah. bass around that island and that for sure that um underwater point that comes out off that island there yeah. the um, one that you've done some summer damage on yeah I, I it's been a few years the last few years it hasn't been as good but it was it was a really good late summer one for me a lot of times crappy fishermen will help tell you guys the story for sure right like if you don't know anything about bait fish and what the bass are, or what the bait fish do and bait fish or any other fish outside of the bass themselves, like they'll eat, you know, bass will eat anything, you know, pieces of candy. Just uh, where they were. Yep, so, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a good telltale sign. If you see the crappy fishermen, you know, bundled up in one area, you know, you best believe that bass will be there too. It's like, you know, if you're on a lake and they're striper, don't think for one minute that bass don't school up either next to or even mixed in with striper because they absolutely oh, do. 100%. And I've, I've caught them on Baden Lake doing that. And the same thing goes for spotted bass down at Lanier and Hartwell. They'll school with striper too. Yep. So you can catch them that way. So I've seen school of striper on Jordan. Yeah. The loons are eating a huge crappie Tuesday below the dam. Jordan was 50 yesterday, and there was 13 boats around that mouth of stinky Thursday. So <laughs> sounds about right. There you go, you know. Yeah. It's getting there, folks. It's getting there. This cold front will slow it down. It, it's just natural. So it's a teaser for and, all these and tournaments, the March, man. Like, well, what DC? What was this thing last year? They ain't moving up. They're not they ain't they moving, they up. Ain't moving up. They but ain't you know coming. what? You know what else is DC's things? These bass ain't gonna catch themselves. So right. get out there. And try to catch them. You know, the winter time, we talked about it before, but the winter time, and especially now, this is a great time to just learn. You know, like you may go out there and absolutely hammer them, but right now is a great time to learn because, like you guys talked about, crappie, the crappie spawn. That's a great time to see the crappie and where they move to. When's, does anyone know when the white perch spawn? I have no idea. Those are trash fish to me, so I don't really care about them, but that's a great point because the bass, because bass crush white perch too so mm -hmm. i i can't imagine that they're too different than a crappie but uh you know pete's looking it up right now um let's see what he says but yeah i, I don't know anytime uh anytime you're around white perch there's usually some bass roaming around the area too i mean there's been times we've been out there that we um down by Polish, 59 to 60 that, so they're spawning about the same time of the large that, that we look for uh the white perch and that's where we start fishing yeah on those underwater points out yeah. there yeah. so they're they're spawning right around the same time uh, a large mouth is is getting ready to do their thing hey if they were on every bridge also then that's a good sign too so if i was fishing if it was me i would definitely target riprap and pre-spawn staging points pre-pre-spawn staging points the bridges always hold fish on jordan like yeah. it does not matter it's just like lay downs 
typically hold fish. You know, not every laydown, but a lot of them do. So that's a great place to start. I would start on riprap. If I was going there, I'd start on riprap. Jordan, there's seven billion laydowns and like four of them hold fish. <laughs> and I don't know any of those four, by the way. Uh, the other, the other way Jeff would be good to catch him is just find out um, which brush piles they pre-baited with <laughs> crawfish. <laughs> Uh, just kidding. If if one of you that was accused is watching this, we don't know if it's true or not. Um, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, what was that? For? That's why you that's know from, uh, Pat McAfee. That's right. Allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> I fish white oak this time of year and fish uh, the points with spinner baits. Absolutely, white oak creek is where I did some damage on Monday. Um, what's what's the one? Um, the creek right by Farrington on the west side goes up like this it's got the drain in the back i don't know the name of it there ain't no fish in that creek boy <laughs> that creek warms up before ever there creek. ain't no fish in that creek boy <laughs> hey by the way guys whoever's listening and watching uh if you snag a seven foot four cash in worm jig rod that says the one cast on it it's got green handles it's got green handles probably not green now oh, yep oak creek uh yeah then uh please uh return that to me i will give you a, a finder's fee for that so i lost that last year in the first tournament of the year i think i'm gonna go off short so of like being around a ton of boats yeah uh i don't know that's a bold move cotton this time of year you're gonna want to be not offshore that that, that was my that's unless my, he, unless you have a deal bush creek david blanton says bush creek so yeah. it's either hope creek or bush creek uh look at a map yeah <laughs> i'm not sure i can't remember but if you're launching at farrington just make a right it's that creek right there there is timber uh you will tear your boat up if you don't if mm -hmm. you're not careful it's marked but it doesn't it's not all marked with a buoy uh so just kind of stay middle right side of that creek don't hug the left bank. you know cody i would say that you know i'm also a, a somebody that doesn't traditionally like to fish around other people uh, I like to fish behind myself a lot. I think I, I go back and forth on a lot of things yeah. and I generate a lot of bites using different baits. I don't like to fish around a crowd either, but sometimes the it. stubbornness can get you and, you know, it's not like you're cheating or anything. It's just like, oh, you know what, then maybe the bite's on over there. So if you can slide in on somewhere, you may be able to generate, you know, maybe but a few bites. You, so. This brings up a good topic. Like, I don't know if you guys do, but every year I kind of have goals of things that I want to do. And, right. and it's not wins. It's not cash and checks. You know, that's great. Uh, you know, where you place, but uh, like goals for the year. So like this year, a big goal for me is I want to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm. I want to do things that I don't like to do that I know work because when it, when you're tournament fishing, it's not about doing what you want to do. It's about doing what you need to do to catch five fish. So for me, a big a big thing, and I know Trey's going to push me to do that because he likes to do a lot of stuff that I don't like to do and vice versa. There's times where I know I'm going to push him to do stuff that he doesn't want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, but so that that for me is a goal. And then to not zero in any tournaments. Yeah. I had a terrible year last year, primarily of my own doing, stupid decisions, uh, just not fishing clean. But I don't, I don't want to zero this year. Yeah, I think uh... – what would Cody say? I'll be happier catching a fish on my own program than five just going off the fact that there's other boats. Hey, absolutely, man. Like, and you learn a lot by failing. So, and, and you learn, and hopefully you have success doing it. So, um, but I, water. Yeah. I'll tell you this, like sometimes like having 
like versus like being versatile is really good. But then sometimes knowing when to put like 14 of your 16 rods in the rod locker and just dedicate yourself to doing something that you know that works. Sometimes that works too. So, uh, you, you know, I, I don't like fishing in the crowd either. I don't, I don't think either. Any, very few people do. This was um, the open in Okeechobee. It was amazing how much of a crowd they have. Holy there. cow. So again, going back, I, I, when I was watching Scott's YouTube, I was looking out there. I was like, it was like he was being like KBD was being followed around. Yeah. Like floatzilla's everywhere. Floatzilla. But they were all fishing, all of them, all of them, mm -hmm. and because uh, that's where it, the tournament went down. Yeah. Sometimes. Um, oh, on Okeechobee. Yeah, I mean, we, we all know sometimes at certain lakes, it all takes place in a certain area. That's, that's Okeechobee, mm -hmm. and especially like during the the pre-spawn and spawn window, lakes the upper end usually gets warmer first. Things turn on and right in, in stages. Sometimes that's just the way it sets up and you have to get comfortable with it. And yeah, it's something I don't ever want to do. I don't like being around other people when I'm fishing. I want my, my space and my peace, but that's just something you have to get uncomfortable with because if that's where it's going to go down, unless you have something super special off the wall, yeah, which is very hard to do a lot of times, especially now this time of year, especially now, right? Like, you know, there are certain times of the year where you're like, I want to do something completely different, but you have to understand bait behavior, other fish, like bait behavior, other fish behavior, and the fish that you're targeting's behavior, right? So if I know that they're going up and they're pre-spawning, you can always catch fish offshore. Yeah. You can always find fish offshore. It doesn't mean you can always catch fish offshore, right? Every fish has an attitude. Every time of the year changes their attitude. Everything. Peter was even talking about it with the cold weather. Um, it could lock their jaw tomorrow. Somebody's going to find them tomorrow. And hopefully that somebody is you. But at the end of the day, like just sometimes you just got to roll with the <laughs> with what is working. And yeah. sometimes that's following. He said, and Jeff said, I'm going to come do donuts around you. Trey. <laughs> that would be good. Just Yeah. You know what, man? You and, can do that all day. Cause Metters do that in the summertime. Cause that'll school them up for me. And, so I appreciate it. And Metters welcome. Uh, just glad to see some non Guggen stock fishing. Uh, <laughs> I don't own that. anything Guggen. Uh, I wish I could say I didn't, but there's a few of their baits that do get bit. So. I bought one Guggen bait ever. That was yeah. the clickbait. And that's because oh, I want. I don't know any of their That's because I tore it apart. Tore it apart to see what they were doing. <laughs> tore it apart. The only, the, only I, the only Guggenbait that I own and use is, is the Bandito. Bowl. Hey, you know what? It use what you like. It sometimes gets bit, but even I don't really even throw it. I'm gonna throw a D bomb before anything else. So absolutely, yeah. You know what I mean? So ninety nine point nine nine nine. I will tell you guys, like I spent all winter long, and I'm still doing it, but pretty much all winter long, offshore, scoping right is as, as annoying as it is to some people and trust me it's frustrating for me too but i learned because fish in the bank we've we all most of us on here have grown up doing that that to me is like riding a bike like flipping a lay down throwing a frog throwing a buzz bait throwing a spinner bait throwing a square bill crank bait there's always something to learn like not saying i don't learn shallow but i spent a lot of time offshore this year in 25 to 35 foot of water and i caught a lot of fish uh, not a, not a lot every single day, but I caught a lot of fish in 2024 so far, but I learned so much. I learned about which line works best on a spinning rod connected to certain braid, what baits would fold on themselves. If I was, if I had too heavy of a line for a perfect example with a hover rig or a three sixteenths ounce ball head jig, I'm not throwing that on 10 pound test. I'm dropping down to eight or six, right? But if I'm throwing a big blade bait, 
I can get away with throwing it on 10 because it's heavier. It won't fold up on itself. So using that time to, and so just not catching fish offshore, but just learning how to fish efficiently offshore. That was what I spent my winter doing. So if you have the opportunity to do that, the winter time's a great time to go out there and get real patient <laughs> with not catching fish. You know what I mean? So, and the, the only advice I have for anybody that's new into tournament fishing or, or anything this year is don't use tournament day as a day to try to learn fish. Yeah. Learn tournament fishing, which is completely different from learning fishing. When you're fishing a tournament, you've paid money to go catch five fish and compete. If you go out there every tournament and you're trying to learn fish and how to catch them, you're going to be extremely frustrated and you're, you're not going to enjoy tournament fishing. And we've all been there, even with experience there's I've had times or tournaments where I feel like I'm chasing my tail and I can't figure anything out. And it's extremely frustrating. And sometimes it's just the, the year like last year, I, yeah. you know, it was a bad year for you, Pete. And I, you know, what, four or five years ago, you know, I had a great year. And then the very next year, a bomb year. It was a bomb year. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those things. But I will say, though, in getting into tournament fishing, Pete's not saying you won't learn something no, during tournament learn. fishing. The most satisfying thing ever is when something clicks while you're fishing a tournament. Yeah. So you may not be on anything for hours, and then all of a sudden somebody sends you a text, and then you catch a seven, you catch a seven, you catch a three, you catch That's a two. Me. I'm the text guy. And it was like, it just clicked, right? I won a tournament a few years ago on a lake that I've never been on before. I never pre-fished it, nothing. And I didn't get a bite until probably 11, 12 o'clock in the day. And finally it clicked when I got my first bite. And it was like, I'm gonna, I need to run this pattern. And I got three more bites and I won a tournament with 12 and a half pounds for four fish in November. And, and so that is the most satisfying thing. It doesn't matter how much weight you win with, or even if you win, if something just clicks to me, that is the most satisfying thing about tournament fishing. The, the other sure. what's going on, Riggy. Um, the other, the other piece to that is if you go in with a plan, fish your plan until you can't fish it anymore, if that yeah. makes sense. Because if you go in and only fish it for a few minutes, an hour, and it's not working and you hurry up and you start scrambling, nine times out of ten when I do that, I get to the ramp and I'm talking to my buddies um, who I fish against and, and we, we talk about what we did and they have cash checks or one doing exactly what I was doing. I just gave it up too fast because I got frustrated. That That is follow your instincts because – we all have them. I, I know your. I know instinct's not the right word, but it's what. We, yeah, I, 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 intuition. Yeah, your intuition is speaking to you for a reason. Time of year, mm -hmm. where you've caught them traditionally. It's experience. what they should be doing. All that experience builds, and you know what you need to do. And I, like Trey said, like the very first tournament I fished with the club that I fish, uh, Carolina Bassers was on Falls Lake. I'd never even put my boat in Falls Lake. I had no idea how to even get to Falls Lake. Um, <laughs> Thank but God I knew. I knew, I knew the time of year. I knew what the water level was. I had an idea of what the fish should have been doing. I put one rod on my deck, never threw another one, and ended up second in that yep. tournament. I just went out and did. Now, granted, that day my plan, my third cast, I caught a keeper, and I was like, well, I know it at least worked for that one, and I just grounded out the rest of the day. And it took all day uh, to, to get my limit. It was slow, uh, but I was one of the few folks that had a limit, and I just did what I needed to do. And other guys – at the weigh-in as we're BSing afterwards. Man, I threw that bait, and it was a spinner bait. 
I threw that bait and I never got bit. I threw it for four hours. And I said, I, I grinded all day, man. And that, that's what I caught. I ended up, I think I ended up with seven keepers. So I called twice. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a sla- smash fest by any means, but, right. but I knew given the time of year conditions, all of that, mm-hmm. that, that slow rolling a, a spinner rate up shallow, working it to deep, those fish were starting to slide up uh, was what I wanted that's- to do. And I did it. And too many times since then I've gone, this is what I'm going to do because it should work. You know, and it's, then an hour in, it's not doing anything, and I put that rod you're away. You're chasing my dang tail. It's one of those things that I want to get better. I think we all want to get better at is knowing when to make those decisions, Thanks, um, to move locations, to try new techniques, to, to when to keep grinding, yeah, and when to change. And ultimately, I th- it, it comes with time on the water, and I I have a feeling when I get back out because I I did not fish a lot last year, and I really fished that one tournament in November and I haven't had the boat in since August. So like, it's going to take some fishing trips for me to like get tuned back in Yeah, yeah. because I think it is a perishable skill. Cause if you're not out there rooting the water all the time, oh, yeah. and if, if you're not up on them, um, then it's hard to sometimes make those right decisions. Cause now you're relying a lot more on history, like sure. history from years ago sometimes. And we all know that doesn't usually work very well. <laughs> history can be good, but sometimes no history. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Running new water is not always a bad thing. Um, I will tell you that if if you're fishing so many tournaments and it stops being fun for you or you start getting extremely frustrated because you're not catching a fish, um, it's creating toxicity, whatever the case may be, and you're not fishing like a national level event or whatever, there's nothing wrong with taking a break from tournament fishing and resetting and refitting your mind. I mean, I took a break for not, I I was kind of forced to, but, but I took a break for a a couple few years and it was extremely rejuvenating for me because I fun fished. There was no pressure. And then last year when we kicked off the tournament season, I felt very refreshed. I was like, man, this, I haven't done this in a while, but I fished. So I was not rusty with fishing now I just got to figure out how to get five bites. And in fact, I zeroed in my very first tournament ever last year. And I'm glad it happened because now I know the feeling that it had on me and I didn't, it wasn't toxic, but it was like, I never want to let this happen again, but I'm still enjoying myself. So, you know, that's on each individual, but if it's becoming so negative, just take a break, you know? Yeah. Yep. I threw a frog all day on on the show one and one when everyone else zeroed, I refused to put it down and it worked. Yeah, I think I was two. That was the first year I fished with a club job. I think I cashed a check in that tournament, like a third place. And I had three barely legal fish. So I remember that one. And you were like, I threw a frog all day. And I was like, shit, cause I've been throwing one all day and didn't get a <laughs> lick on it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, sometimes if you, if you have a plan and, and you have a confidence bait, uh, just go, go out and do what you do and, and good things might happen well <laughs> i know that historically on the show i've beat up the co-angler thing uh but i will say if you're going to take a break from tournament fishing where you're spending a couple hundred dollars a tournament even more with if you're running your own boat maybe take a break and jump in a bfl or a, a toyota series as a co-angler and just go learn right you don't have that stress of operating a boat you're really not expecting to win uh, and you're learning a lot depending on who your boater is, right? If you're Mike Johns, you're not learning anything, but you know, 
Uh, but I'm just kidding, Mike. I'm just busting except, your balls. Except the secret base. But but you know that it's like not me. So that yeah, yeah, I mean like I I plan on jumping in some co angler events in the opens when uh when I retire. Not because I want to go crush the other co anglers. Of course I want to do well, but I want to learn from people that because I think education is nonstop uh, in a lot of things that we do. So I th I think especially the co-anglers at that level you have to use it at you have to go into his educational experience because yeah. you are so at the whims of your boater yeah and a lot of times it's if you get two good boaters and they're on something then you might do really well in but the look tournament. look look at our buddy alex watts man yeah, that's true you know yeah. he won uh what was it uh where did he win last bugs year bugs island. Island. island yeah he won 20 grand or 18 grand and he had a great time and he wasn't operating a boat and he was doing what he liked to do behind the guy he was fishing with and and that was the deal. So guide, I want yep, guide trips are a great way to learn. Yep. Guide trips are a good way. You can go to fishtips.com and check out some fish tips, you know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, or you can just listen to our show and we'll help you out because we're all about building a culture of anglers, helping anglers. It can so, be tough if you if you get a boater that's on live scope, unless you, oh, have, a for sure. unless you have a portable live scope. And, and then, it, <laughs> then you can I remember I told you guys that question was asked. You did. And and uh two bass people from bass said, said yes it was legal and, and sure enough the first in that video is like that co-angler's got a life scope yeah. back there hey right? good luck tomorrow good luck tomorrow jeff yeah jeff hopefully you crush your man keep that spinner bait in your hand maybe a square bill all that good jazz and a jig at black and blue um also just casting it up some shad <laughs> yeah i'm kidding no i'm just kidding but you know what though even if you are a co-angler behind the pro or whatever uh behind the boater if you have a good boater, I would ask questions like, how is this working? You know, you know, and some boaters like don't like to talk. They just like to do their thing, leave them alone. But if you do get somebody that wants to create some dialogue with you, even though you're not fishing the same screen or the same zone as them, like ask them, like, what are you doing? And how does this, how are you processing this when you're looking at this? You know what I mean? So I, honestly, though, I mean, we've talked to a lot of guys that have co-angled and a lot of guys that are boaters. And I, we, I've yet to have a co-angler say they had a really bad experience with a boater, but I've definitely had boaters say they've had bad experience. Oh, for so, sure. Except for Maddie. Well, that was, yeah, that was, that was, I mean, it, that's like <laughs> an outlier, right? Like he got, yeah. he got the guy that was like 200 years old. And the motor, blew motor, motor blew up. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was, uh, that was one of those things. Um, what I, what I mean, like, most of the boaters understand why co-anglers there. Most people are co-angling these events to learn. So they're really good about explaining what they're doing and why, because at the end of the day, the guys at this level that are at that level and pushing that level understand that we need to have more folks. And if you're going to compete against them, they, those guys want to compete against the best. We all want to win, but I don't want to go out and compete against a bunch of people. that's their first time ever fishing. Like yeah. if I win, I want to win against the anglers best. that are good. Like I know a lot of guys in local clubs and stuff get mad when elite series dudes or BPT or whatever pros show up to fish a local tournament. Like I want them because I'm telling you right now, if I beat Mike Corbishley on falls <laughs> Lake, that dude is never going to hear the end of it. <laughs> we if love I, if Mike. I'm yeah, somewhere yeah. and John Cox shows up and I finish higher than him, for the rest of my life, I'm telling everybody I meet that I beat John Cox in a tournament. <laughs> like, you know, it's a, it's the ultimate challenge. These guys do it every day for a living, and it, it pushes you to be better. Mm -hmm. The better anglers you fish against, the better it pushes you to be. So for sure, man, for sure. Even if they gave you average fish depth, yeah, like like if you're a co angler, yeah, a lot of them will. The the one thing there is like 
you can't cast past the front of the boat. You can't do that. So a lot of times, depending on what they're fi- if they're fishing a brush pile, you're pretty much just going to be throwing it. But I might take those. a minute and say, hey, do you mind if I turn your live scope or whatever you have on your your graph of the council and just watch how you're doing this? You know, like you can do that. Most of these things are networked, so you can watch my active target on my graphs, any of the graphs, the only two I have, because uh, I'm not an electronic nerd. But uh, unlike Pete and Ben, they got 5 million graphs on their boats. Um, but, you know, you can learn a lot from that, too. That's really interesting to watch your buddy fish out of the front of your boat or his boat and then just watch their screen. That gives you a really good education I'm, on Ford. I'm only and, running seven graphs this year. Whatever, dude. No, oh, my Lord. That's, a, that's overkill. He's got bass breaks on his poles four. and all that good stuff. Oh, he's so. got the Matt Becker set up? <laughs> no. <laughs> Everybody. Milliken. There's a bunch of guys running, oh, yeah. the, running the, the crappie breaks now. Ricky said my first tournament was during hours of pouring rain and freezing temps. Can't wait to do it again. Dude, Ricky, my first tournament was during pouring rain and freezing temps. We caught two fish all day, and it was the coolest thing that I ever did. And usually crappy weather the better the bite you know but still like uh it gives you an appreciation for I, those nice you know sunny days there was one tournament i think it was my pb at the time it was like six and a half seven pounds this is like my first year tournament fishing it was at falls lake in march and we put in and it was so cold oh. there were a line i mean not you know the ice was getting on the line and i flip into this lay down i'm trying to pick the ice off and doop, <laughs> so I set the hook and hey, that was one of two fish I caught. That what did day, that tell was, you though? They didn't want it moving, did they? No, they wanted to sit. Yeah, they, they just wanted want it sitting there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about it in a couple episodes ago. Pete and I went out and I was dead sticking a blade bait. Yeah, in twenty five foot of water. Hey, Charles, I just got back know? from Florida. Safe travels, brother. Man, um, Florida bound. Yeah, the very out. first tournament I ever fished, I won with a mega sack of smallmouth. Like twenty. Did you? Pound bag of smallmouth, <laughs> and it's been downhill since. <laughs> i came in on a high note and i'm gonna go out that hey you know a whole, what? whole lot of money to put. but we got a lot of friends on that roller coaster ride right now whether or not they're in the elites you know look at maddie last year uh we got a lot of friends in the the mpfl they're on a roller coaster ride it doesn't mean they don't know how to fish but sometimes tournament days momentum bro tournament days yeah tournament it's days do something to the mind right they make you doubt sometimes people start doubting themselves you talked about it earlier like second guessing what you're strong at or your plan you know all those types of things it doesn't mean that you're a bad angler it just means you had a bad day you on the water focus mm-hmm. like, yeah focus or hyper vigilance however you want to put it like yeah that's not necessarily a good thing hypertension um, <laughs> everything <laughs> when you do that, you make everything more critical than it really is. Yeah. Like it's just like fun fishing. It is. And the guys that are successful and gals that are successful regularly are like the coolest cucumbers you ever met in your life because to them, they're just out fishing. Yeah. They might have a chance to win a hundred grand, but in their mind, they're able to, you know, they have the mental fortitude to, to not differentiate between just going out there and having fun and going out there and competing. If you can manage stress and have a little luck, you're going to be all right. You know what I mean? Luck definitely plays a role. There's, a li- there's some luck. I don't care what Manage stress, have a little skill, and have a lot of luck. It takes a lot of luck to get a bass <laughs> eat your cricket sometimes. Yes, it does. Well, hey, folks, we just busted over an hour here. If you got any last comments, fire them at us. You guys heard about all of our partners at the beginning. Make sure you check them out. Use the code the one cast at one cast fishing, the one cast at uh, carolinawatersnc.com. Check out Eric Schwinn at Mossy Oak Properties. Um, I sent, I 
said the, uh, his phone number and email at the very beginning, but his email is eschwind, E-S-C-H-W-I-N-D at mossyofproperties.com. Um, you heard about the giveaways that are going to be happening over the next five yeah. months. So correct, Trey, you can't leave a review on Facebook or anything. Oh, my bad. That. So it's got to be one of the platforms like um, Spotify. Uh, you, you can't on YouTube, but if you leave a comment on YouTube. No, that's uh... um, that's good. Like. There's no way to leave a review. On no, that. no. You a, just comment on a video. Let us know how we're doing. Or on YouTube. Or comment and sub. How about we do that? Comment and sub. Like, let go. us know how we're doing on there. If that's if that's where you're watching us. Um, Spotify is just a five star, a star rating. Whether you give us one star or five, uh, screenshot that and shoot it to us. If you give us one star, I'm gonna ask you why. Yeah. I don't. It's <laughs> not because I'm mad, but. We've gotten two one-star reviews. I don't know why, and it, it's driving me and everybody else crazy. What can we do to get better? We can't get better, and and you know, better for those folks that are listening. If we don't know what it is that we're we're not doing well, it might just be my face. Who knows? Hey, Maybe I don't I know. Got one of those faces that they just want to put one of those right in my suck hole. So. <laughs> you just need to change your face. <laughs> you change your face. I don't know what I can do about that, but I'll take that. Yeah. But if you're a negative Nancy, this show isn't for you. You know, I'm sorry for all the Nancy's out there, but if the, you know, we're all about continuing to help each other out and make sure that we educate and inform and uh, bring you guys good content. So if this isn't, this isn't the show for you, Hey man, that's okay. The you other know? big, the other big conversation topic was the spotted bass deal, Jordan Falls Harris, uh, all of that stuff. Um, be aware if you're local, uh, kill them fish, keep them, <laughs> send pictures. If you don't have, if you didn't get the biologist number, like I said, I'm going to put it in a social media post because uh, he told me to make sure we get it out to everybody. Uh, if you don't have that, shoot me the pictures. Mouth inside the mouth, the tongue, particularly. It's the rough patch. Yep. You've got to see the tongue and then just a picture side profile of the fish. Don't wrap your fingers, don't squeeze them. Uh, and that's enough for them to be able to positively identify, especially don't wrap your hand around the peduncle, which is on the tail where it starts to thin down on a bass. Yep. They can really tell by width and looking at that, whether it's a spotted bass or not. So, And they can tell what kind of spotted bass it is, northern strain or an Alabama spotted bass, yep. too. We got we got to do uh, do our part in conservation. And, and we've seen a lot of fisheries already kind of get um, kind of get in some trouble because of the the spotted bass being added. So. Uh, if you're listening and you're a bucket biologist, you're one of them guys that wants to move fish, please don't. Uh, I know I know everybody wants to go out and catch a bunch, but I prefer to to not catch 112 to 14 inch spots in a day. Yeah. Um, because it's just it's fun, but it's not fun. Like that's not that's not what our fisheries is not healthy. Invasive species aren't good for anybody. Um, so we want to make sure we do our part to to conserve that. And with the F1s getting in there, mega bag still coming out of Jordan. Uh, Harris, uh, somebody may or may not have caught some grass on Harris uh, at some depth. Uh, so hopefully those natural grasses are starting to come back a little bit. Uh, Trey, uh, yeah, put your business out there. You can't yeah. keep that to yourself. We're all about education. Hey, that's right, guys. You know what? Har <laughs> Sharon Harris is going to make it. You know, lakes are cyclic. Uh, a lot of times they're on downswings, and then they they start trending back upwards. You see that with Kentucky Lake right now, especially the smallmouth in Kentucky Lake. They are firing yeah. 18 inch plus smallies on Kentucky. I can see Sharon Harris making a turnaround again, and hopefully. If, if you go back and listen to our episode with Corey, the grass that that we've found and other folks have found, Trey's not the only one, um, that's all part of the plan. Like they've put native grasses in there that they want to take over and they want it to be like it was when the when the invasive hydrilla was there. It's just going to be with native grasses. Yep. So, uh, you know, 
that's because of us, right? Anglers, we're doing what we can to conserve. We're educating. Uh, and uh, we're trying to make our fisheries better. We're trying to leave them better for for our kids, our kids' kids, our whoever. Um, but yeah, this was a fun one. I yeah, fun on this show. It was a great one. Uh, I appreciate everybody's support. I don't have anything else uh, other than we did get some credges today, so we'll report back on y'all. <laughs> well, when we get out there and throw them, I know yeah. that's been a hot, uh, hot ticket, hot uh, bait discussion. So we were able to find a few today. Uh, Trey and I had a after work date. Uh, we went to Bass Pro and, and visited some friends. That was the only reason, but yeah, yeah, that was really. Nice. Hey, I was up there but, this morning. Were, were you? You? Mm-hmm. you didn't get no credges? I didn't go in. Oh, so okay, I, got oh. <laughs> I didn't go to the airport. You get curbside to go. <laughs> <laughs> Your Bass Pro order. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, we appreciate everybody's support again. Giveaway: the first one will be drawn. I'm going to give you the date right now, and uh, there'll be some more posts Facebook. It will be the last Friday, March 29th. Yep. Uh, the last Friday of March, that first giveaway is for a cash and icon chatterbait rod, uh, and a, uh, prize package of bladed jigs from one cast fishing. So you'll just have to get yourself a reel, some line, uh, and you'll be able to go out there, uh, and, and throw a rod. That's bladed, over bladed jigs, spinner baits that you're really going to love that chatterbait rod, man. That's, yeah, a, for that's sure. an awesome rod. Um, it, it's great for, for throwing bladed jigs, spinner baits, any of that kind of stuff. So you're really going to enjoy that. Uh, appreciate them jumping in and, and obviously everybody else who has uh, we also have a new partner we're getting closer and closer uh to being able to announce who that is so we're just waiting on a, a couple last uh last items there i don't know there's like a seven pound box making its way yeah there's like yeah. a seven pound box that got shipped to us today so we'll do an unboxing video when that gets here uh and then we'll have a code for you to use with those folks to to save you some money uh, on some some stuff we've talked about uh before uh, on the show and uh, they may or may not have been on for an episode. If you can piece it together, good for you. If not, then uh, you have to wait for that announcement. So, can you guys uh, see what he's saying? Yeah, can <laughs> can you see with your eyes and the vision what we may be talking about? Yeah. Uh, you know, little John Cena action. But <laughs> no, appreciate you all uh, tuning in, Trey Ben. Glad to be back with everybody. Um, I do have some more work travel coming uh, in the next few months. I got to get around and visit some some stuff, and uh, I'm going to try to make sure that I'm. I'm here, but if I'm not, I know uh, we'll keep it held down with the boys here. Uh, if you have show topic ideas, you know, shoot us a message. We're always we're always looking for stuff. We've got a catfish uh, angler lined up. Uh, we've got another biologist. Uh, we've got a five hundred one c three organization that's doing a bunch of good stuff uh, for our veterans uh, with fishing coming on here in the next couple of weeks. So uh, we got some cool stuff lined up. But if there's stuff y'all want to hear us talk about. Um, whether it's North Carolina specific or outside, we got a lot of listeners from all over. the. Yeah. Place. We got some technique specific stuff too, that was talked about in 2023, such as, yep. you know, certain techniques for smallmouth and finesse fishing. And we'll get guys on to talk yeah, about got Joey. want to come back and yep. talk that I've got, we're gonna have a three part series on line selection from a, a manufacturer uh, talking about um, fluorocarbon, mono poly and braid Mm -hmm. the whens the whys the hows the why nots uh, and also educate you a little bit on why pound test is outdated uh, and you should look more at at line diameters and things like that so um looking forward to bringing all that to all y'all appreciate everybody coming in we're at almost an hour and 15 minutes uh so we're gonna wrap this up fishing friday everybody fishing tournaments are for fun tomorrow good luck make sure you post your pictures send them to us in the groups Uh, so we can check out everybody's success. 
and uh, help us continue to grow a culture of anglers helping anglers one cast at a time. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, son. It's a f***ing toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day.